Hello everyone, this is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local topics of interest for you and your family. Today we are discussing COVID-19 and how family practice medicine has adapted to the COVID-19 pandemic. My guest today is Dr. Andy Pasternak, a local family practice physician and owner of Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine and Silver Sage Sports and Fitness Lab. Welcome, Dr. Pasternak. Thanks, Sherry. Glad to to be here. Well, this has certainly been a strange three months. Um, I think we're into the third month now. It all happened so quickly. And the interesting thing is that I'll never forget it because March 16th was my birthday. And um, and it just seemed like the day after that, everything went kind of crazy. I'm I'm a fellow Pisces. My birthday is on March 12th, and I think that's actually when our governor. Uh, we had some plans to go to San Francisco that weekend uh, after my birthday, and uh, I just remember that week some of the stuff was coming down, and my birthday plans got canceled. So exactly. I, well, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it it was like um, you. You just didn't know what to believe and what not to believe, which, of course, is part of the whole question. Uh, but let me ask you how it's impacted your practice over the last three months. Well, we're, we're, it, it's, it's been an interesting transition. You know, when, when things were first happening, we basically, uh, in late March and early April, we were really worried about a big surge. Um, you know, having uh, watched what happened in Italy, uh, having seen what was happening in New York, uh, we basically we, we we knew we had to stay open. Uh, we wanted to stay open for our patients. Our patients still had chronic needs. We thought that we were going to be operating more as almost a urgent care ER overflow for a lot of our patients. So we wanted to stay open because we were really worried that the uh, that the emergency rooms were going to get overwhelmed right. with COVID patients. So. Um, so we rescheduled a lot of our chronic follow-up patients, um, and so we were. We, but fortunately, we didn't see that, and we actually had probably about six to eight weeks there where it was, you know, we were sort of doing about half as many patients, uh, actually about forty percent as many patients as, as we would normally see in a day. So um, now, was that was that because patients? were fearful to come into the office because uh, we were told to stay home. What was the reason for only seeing half the patients? Uh, it was, we basically just, anything that was, yeah, I mean, anything that we could put off, we could. I mean, we were still seeing patients that had sort of urgent or semi-urgent issues, but if someone needed to come in for a physical or someone needed to come in for follow-up of their diabetes, uh, their blood pressure, um, you know, we were trying to put those visits off. And then the other big thing that we did is we started doing more visits by telehealth, which uh, helped to offset that a little bit. We could try to care for people while they could stay home. Well, how does telehealth work, uh, Dr. Pasternak? I know that that's, um, telemedicine is a, a word that we hear more and more of lately, but how, how do you do telehealth as a person sitting at home? Uh, so the person is typically sitting at home, although I've had people call me from grocery stores and various other places. It's been kind of interesting. I think every every doctor who's done telehealth has some interesting stories over the last couple of months. But yeah, typically the, the person is supposed to be in a place where they can talk to their physician. And there's a number of different platforms that we can use uh, where we just generally send them a text message. They get the text message on their smartphone, hit the button, and then it, you know, it provides a HIPAA secure uh, uh, way to kind of communicate with them. 
And can you see them or is it a phone call? Uh, we can typically see them. Yeah. I mean, we've had, especially with some of our rural patients uh, who have had, you know, sometimes if they have problems with internet access or if, uh, if there's problem with cell phone signals, we'll go to we'll go to phone call. But we try to we try to still do it with a with a uh, visual. Now you you have the um, I would say luxury of having it be your patient that you know and that you have a chart and possibly a chart that you can see. But a lot of the telehealth that's being used today is with a physician that has never met the patient, right? Correct. Yeah, and 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 I think you know one thing that we've kind of talked, uh, as you know, I do a lot with our state medical society, and some of the the laws and the restrictions around telehealth. I think when telehealth is done well, it's a great way um, to help provide care to patients. Um, but obviously, there's I think there's some ways of doing telehealth that are it's it's not as uh, optimal for for patient care. So, you know, we're we're actually sort of already talking about what we need to talk to about our legislature of what are the best ways that we can provide care for for people in Nevada using telehealth because I I do think it is you know, one of the upside, well, I would say there's no upside to COVID, but one of the things COVID's really done is it has pushed tele, telemedicine to the forefront. Um but I think we really want to think about what are the best ways to do it. Yeah, because nothing really takes the place of coming in and having a one-on-one with your physician. Right, right. And, and you know, and, and we see, I have patients who they are using, uh, especially I'll have sometimes some new patients who will be like, oh, I saw three or four telemedicine doctors and they've done this and this. Um, and I sometimes just kind of scratch my head about the care. So, yeah, I, I think the idea, of, especially if, as, a, as, a, as a family physician, the idea that, you know, you, you need to have that primary care base, that, that primary care home, and then telemedicine can kind of help supplement that. Mm-hmm. Now, when, when um, the pandemic first started and we didn't know enough about it, uh, quite a few people, I think, panicked and felt that they should get a test. But at times, it was difficult to get one. Did you give tests to people in the office at all? You know, we have still not had to have um, – uh, we have not been able to do the acute testing yet. Um, when the testing first came out, we were getting excited to do it. Uh, we were trying to get revved up, but we, we essentially ran into two different issues. One was uh, getting the actual test kits. Um, and, you know, at one point, I think, you know, we were all excited because Quest or LabCorp, one of the labs was like, oh, we're going to get you test kits. And we got like right. four of them. Right. Um, the other issue that really came up is to do the tests that, we were supposed to be doing, we had to have the proper uh, protective gear for my staff, masks, N95 masks, gowns. Um, and again, back in March and April, those were were pretty scarce. So um, we're still sort of talking about doing that right now. Um, our philosophy has been if we really want to get people tested, St. Mary's, uh, you know, there's Renown, this, the county um, have the testing capacity. So we're we're still sort of directing patients for the, if we're worried about acute COVID, we're still sort of directing them there. Yeah, and I, I think the test, um, we don't have the instant test yet, but so it's still taking three or four, sometimes five or six days to get back the results. Yep. Yeah, which... Um, can be a challenge, wondering if uh, people have tested positive on, on their job. Yep. Yeah. And um, when do you recommend that someone get tested? When someone calls into your office and they 
Uh, are you looking for the fever to be one, or are you at telling people to get tested if they just have one or two of the symptoms but no fever? So that's that's obviously evolved. You know, when this first came out, we really wanted kind of people with more classic symptoms. Um, now that our testing capacity is increasing, we're testing people for a lot more reasons. So even a low-grade fever without a cough, um, you know, it, I think the hard thing with COVID is we've seen so many different presentations of it. Right, um, right. You know, I mean, actually one of the we, – we, we had a patient who we uh, actually saw – in our office in mid-March, um, who ended up uh, likely had COVID based off of an antibody test, uh, but had no cough, had no respiratory symptoms. Um, so at this point, we're sort of telling anybody, you know, fever, cough, uh, any of the, you know, uh, any of the, the, even the mild symptoms, loss of smell, uh, pink eye, uh, more and more now that testing is available, we're like, go get it checked out. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, uh, do you think, I know that we had a couple of days recently here in Washoe County where we had quite a few cases. Uh, do you think that correlates to more testing? Uh, it's a little bit, it, it is a little bit of more testing. Um, you know, uh, I think if we would have had all the testing that we wanted in March and April, we probably would have seen a higher peak back then. Mm -hmm. um, so I think some of what we're seeing right now is, the availability of more testing, but um, conversely, we're also seeing our hospital census and our ICU census kind of slight uptick, and that th those numbers shouldn't change with testing. So, you know, I, I think we've kind of gotten over that first hump, but I think um, I know within the physician community, we're all kind of worried that we're we're not seeing this drop off as quickly as we would have hoped. Well, let's talk about the safety precautions that you're taking in the office, Dr. Pasnett, because I know people. Uh, who are worried about going into any sort of medical facility, even to get mammograms, um, let's educate them on how they can be safe in your office. So, I, I, you know, the first thing that we're, we're doing is um, we're, we are still limiting the number of patients that we're seeing. We're, we're seeing fewer patients. Um, just, you know, fewer patients is going to be equal less risk. Right. Um, but we are, you know, we are starting to see more patients come in. We are still trying to do things by telehealth. Um, other things that we're doing, and I, pretty much every medical center I've seen has been doing this, is patients are getting screened at the door. You know, if you have a cough, if you have a fever, if you have any symptoms, um, you know, go get that COVID test done before you come in. Oh, uh, I see. So if they came, do you take their temperature before they come in? So, yeah, we basically have our, we used to have our vitals room kind of in the back of the office. We now have that right at the front of the office. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll check a temperature and we run them through a series of questions, which I think is, is kind of becoming, you know, I think most offices are doing The that. norm, yeah, the new right. normal. And what about the waiting room? Is there, uh, of course, with few patients and you don't have that many in the waiting room and they can socially distance? Right. And and so we, we still have a few chairs in our waiting room, but again, what we're really trying to do is get the patient, we'll have them wait in their car, call them in, get their vitals, and we're getting them right back to the exam room. Uh, so that they're not as in many as many spots uh, in the office. Wow, new normal. Um, yep. And our patients, are you asking them to wear masks in the office? Absolutely. Um, I think masks, both in the office and in our community, are going to be what really helps prevent the spread at this point. Um, you know, we need to get things back. You know, within our office, basically, we have our staff. Anytime our staff is in communication with patients, if they have patients with them, all the staff's wearing masks. 
our physicians wear masks uh, every time they see patients, and then we're asking the patients wear masks uh, at all time in our office. Well, there is a unintended consequences of people not going to the doctor. Um, have you been seeing that? I know the emergency rooms, and we're hearing a lot, don't not go to the emergency room because you think it's unsafe, and people putting off what they need medically. Yeah, um, that's obviously been a concern. Um, and, you know, as as a family physician, you know, I was obviously worried quite a bit about COVID, but, you know, um, if we also get worried about, yeah, if someone has a heart attack, if someone has a stroke, um, are they going to get the appropriate care for that? And, and you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, we've had a couple of patients that um, maybe were a little delayed in getting their care and have had some bad outcomes. We've, we've had two patients that I, I, who have unfortunately passed away from non-COVID-related issues, and I kind of wonder if they, had, if they had, if we didn't have COVID, had they gotten care a little bit faster, mm-hmm. um, would we been, have been able to do something different? But I think mm-hmm. um, because of COVID, you know, it's difficult getting testing or they may have, you know, waited another, you know, day or two to get to the emergency room before they got care. So it, it is a concern. And that's why, you know, we're really trying to get the message out um, at our state and, uh, uh, and county medical society levels of, hey, we're back open. We're trying to do things safe. So if you have medical problems, come on in and let's get these fixed up. Yeah, and what about you and your family, Dr. Pasternak? What precautions do you take when you go home from the day? Um, so it's a good question. Uh, as you know, my wife's an anesthesiologist, right. so we are both uh, we're we're both getting exposed. You know, uh, I think initially we were much more worried because of you know the lack of testing and the and the uh, the the PPE issues. Um, now that we're getting better testing, now that we're the PPE issues are getting better. Um, we're we're starting to open up a little bit more. Um, I still, uh, you know, um, when we come home, we have a little, uh, you know, uh, I basically take off, you know, I'm like, I'm going to come home and take a shower and just use hot, hot you know, soap and yeah. water. Soap and water works really well for COVID. So right. I don't know if there's any benefit to it, but it's been working so far. Um, you know, uh, and so... Uh, and then, you know, we've just been washing our hands a lot. Um, when either of us go out, we wear masks. Well, it's uh, common yeah. sense stuff, Dr. Yeah, Pastor. right, Back right. Here. Yeah. But that's what you're telling me. And and you mentioned the masks a few minutes ago. And I'll tell you, I see an awful lot of people without masks. And, you know, I'm 70 years old. And I think, oh, could you put a mask on and protect me a little bit, please? Right. Yeah. I, I, it, it's, um, uh, I think getting people to wear masks in our community is is going to be uh, it, it's going to be a critical thing. Um, yeah. You know, if you look at other countries, masks have helped in other countries. Just this week, we've had two or three really good studies coming out showing um, basically the trend. There's this R R number for the transmissibility of the virus, and I don't want to get too technical, but wearing a mask helps to decrease that. So if that number is above one, that means the the, the we're going to see more cases of COVID. If you can get that number less than one, the cases are going to go down, and masks can help get that down. So um, I think it's going to be uh, just critical that we get more and more people wearing masks. Um, you know, I saw the uh, the surgeon um, about you know you want to get the economy going. Um, you know, you want you we want to get things back up and running in this country. 
you know, he he was really putting the onus on people of being responsible and wearing yeah. a mask to, to get that going. Well, ultimately, it does come down to self-responsibility. Let me ask you before we go about the antibody test. Um, we heard a lot about that for a little while. I haven't heard anything lately, but is that something that you think uh, will be important in the future? Um, you know, I think in northern Nevada, I mean, so we've, the antibody test, there's been various iterations of it. We actually bought some for our office um, from a reputable company, but then once we started kind of playing with them, we weren't really that trustworthy of the results. So a lot of the initial antibody tests, there was a lot of questions about the reliability. I think that, you know, now the major labs, Quest, LabCorp, um, you know, the hospital labs are doing a better job with the antibody testing, so I think they are a little bit more reliable. Um, you know, it, it's helpful. Um, it, it's helpful in some ways, um, but I'll tell you, the majority of patients that we've had who have come in who have thought that they have had COVID have had negative antibodies. Yeah. Tests. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll put myself. I mean, I you know, I had a horrible upper respiratory infection in late. January, early February, and I, you know, looking back, I was sort of convinced I had COVID, and I've checked my antibodies two or three different ways, and they've all been negative. So, um, you know, the other issue with the antibody test is people still aren't entirely sure if you have antibodies. You know, are you more, are you going to be, you know, does that necessarily mean immunity? We think it does. I mean, that's typically what happens with other infections, but there's still some questions, and this is such a weird virus. Yeah. You know, I can't guarantee that if you have antibodies that you're, uh, that you're, that you're not going to get this again, so. Yeah. So what is, what is your biggest concern? We know this is going to last for quite a while, Dr. Pasternak, till they get a vaccine. What is your biggest concern over the next, it's going to be at least five, six months? Yeah. I, you know, my biggest concern is that uh, people continue to take this seriously. Um, and I think, you know, uh, you know, we, we do need to get the economy going. We, you know, people are going to want to start traveling or going to want to start doing things. And I'll, I put myself in that category. I mean, now that things are opening up, we're like, oh, it'd be, you know, it'd be nice to get out of Reno for a weekend. Um, but right. I think it's going to be really critical that people just continue to do the, it's the basic, it, this isn't high tech stuff. It's yeah. hand washing, it's wearing masks, um, you know, maintain social distancing as much as you can. Um, and I think if we do those things, we're going to be able to get maybe back not to a hundred percent normal, but you know, 80 or 90% of normal, um, while keeping the, the virus at bay. Yeah. Well, that's it's all valuable words, Dr. Pasternak. Do you think that we can check in with you uh, sometime in July and we can do this again and you can give us another update? I would love to do that. Okay. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast. My guest today has been Dr. Andy Pasternak, a local family practice physician and owner of Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine and Silver Sage Sports and Fitness Lab. Uh, thank you again, Dr. Pasnack, for your words on the COVID-19. We're going to continue to do a series on COVID-19, and we'll have Dr. Pasnack back on sometime in July. To listen to all of our podcasts, go to accesstohealthcare.org slash podcast.